0: Welcome into the Ball Blast podcast, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Podcast Network. I am your host, Kate, and I'm Michelle. And you can find me on Twitter at ffballblast, and you can find me, at Michelle,
1: at ballblastm, um, ballblastem.
0: E M. We've got a great show for you guys today. We've got lots of lots of goodies. We're going to be talking about underrated and overrated players. Uh, there's some interesting names in here.
1: I feel like they're ones we may talk about a bit on social media, but we haven't brought them up too much on our podcast. So we're going to discuss the guys that we think are being drafted just a little bit too early in 2020 or maybe a lot too early. Or a lot too
0: late. Some guys that are getting totally disrespected. All they do is perform, and apparently nobody cares. Yeah, I think that pretty much sums it up. Uh, If you haven't seen our new website yet, guys, go check it out, ballblastfootball.com. We've got lots of articles from our guys uh, Corey, Mike, Jake. they're all awesome. Be Some sure to... great
1: stuff up there. oh they my are goodness like just popping out articles
0: seriously they they are machines I can't keep up with the editing process because they crank them out too quickly. <laughs> Slow down guys. and we're working on our projection. So we're
1: almost done here with our 2020 redraft projections which they're also helpful for dynasty right if you play in dynasty leagues which is all year long win now mode baby you're always in win now mode you still need to know who is going to be best in 2020 we're going to you know post some of those on our social media and on our website but then for the full rankings full projections uh you can join our patreon we'll give you more information
0: probably next episode on how to join that and get that information yeah love it Uh, Let's get into some news, because we got some interesting tidbits to talk about. It's just in. Breaking news. Breaking news. Speaking of breaking, get it? Injuries? (laughs) Injury news? Injury updates? So I can stop Kate from talking. (laughs) Breaking news. It's not. Alishon Jeffrey.
1: There is really not a timetable for him to return yet according to head coach Doug Peterson.
0: That is not good, because I feel like Doug Peterson is also one of those guys that's a little more optimistic than I usually like. So for him to say... It's like
1: Elshon Jeffrey, how good is he anyways? He's getting older. He's dealing with the Liz Frank injury, which is normally not an injury that's easy to Cam come back Newton's from.
0: Newton's injury, Sammy Watkins' injury. Yeah, it could really
1: linger. I mean, we even saw with Hollywood Brown last year, he was supposed to be all right right by the time his rookie year started and throughout the season but he kind of dealt with that issue all year long it's just one of those things that linger i don't know how much we can expect him to actually play in 2020 i don't think you can like does he get put on the pop list for the first six weeks
0: at least The, the last five seasons he's played nine games 12 16 13 10 so you're already getting him uh, at a limited limited discount. He hasn't exceeded a thousand receiving yards since 2014. Can we let it go? <laughs> I know. Let it go. And a lot of people are saying
1: this is good news for Jalen Rager, the rookie that was taken in the first round. I I don't like that as much. I don't either. So I I don't think him being the wide receiver one on the team is great for him right off the bat.
0: They he might not, get more targets, but can he do as much with them Yeah, with that coverage? So
1: we both love his talent, but we also see that he's a little bit... He was rawer than the other guys that went in the first run. I think he, he will he's need crusty, more... He's crusty-rusty. He's going to need more time to develop, and he didn't have his offseason to do that like a normal rookie. So I'm a little bit worried about him this year, but I do think it's good news for Zach Ertz and for I Dallas Goddard.
0: It's great news for Miles Sanders, who I have not been super high on, but... When you look at Miles Sanders, that's been his sort of big play opportunity has been in the receiving game, and I think this only solidifies that he's going to get more targets. Yeah.
1: I think it all matters with Deshaun Jackson's health. Does he stay healthy? Because I think he will be heavily involved. And then you have Jalen Rager. They brought in Marquise Goodwin, who is good when he plays. He's uh, good when he plays. <laughs> they still have J.J. Orsega-Whiteside. From The second rounder from last year. That did I'm on nothing. another level. Yeah, Uh, and then Greg Gord, who really came on at the end of the year. They still had him, and then they drafted two other wide receivers later in the draft. They, I mean, that wide receiver group is all over the place. I don't really know what to do with them. I do think Jalen Rager leads in targets for the wide receiver group. I just don't know how many that is. Like, I think it's probably around 80 to 90, with Zach Ertz being the one player over 100 targets.
0: I do think that Zach Ertz is the better bet for your redraft leagues, this might be an opportunity to sell high on Dallas Goddard. Are you considering that whatsoever? No, I'm not,
1: because if Zach, if anything ever happened to Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard is going to be a top five tight end very easily. Okay. And I think he still has standalone value. So even when Zach Ertz is healthy, I still think, I mean, the tight end position so gross. Who else really is there? I mean, it's not like you have to pay up for Dallas Goddard, especially in redraft. You're going to get him late. I think he is just as good of an opportunity as anyone else does.
0: Okay. I I definitely think this is a situation to monitor. Yep. And then another big, like, Terrible news
1: for the Eagles is that their right guard, Brandon but- Brooks, suffered a torn left Achilles tendon just this past week. we Will miss the whole 2020 season, obviously. He was one of the best guards in the NFL in 2020, 2019, if not the best. That's not good. No. And then they're missing Jason Peters because they have to re-sign him and they haven't done that yet. They're left I do tackle. think that they
0: will... They have to shell out money for him, right? Like, they have to give him a decent contract with the fact that Brandon Brooks is out. Yeah, they play different positions, but
1: you can't lose your left tackle, who's one of the best tackles in the league, and then lose your best guard. Like, that line's going to go from one of the best to one of the worst if that happens. Very, very quickly. And that's not good news for Miles Sanders. That's not good news for Carson Wentz. That's not good news for anyone on the team. So hopefully they can get Jason Peters signed uh, and figure that out.
0: Speaking, also breaking news. Stop. Um, ESPN reports that Patriots running back Sony Michelle is recovering from foot surgery. Do you think this is a um, a mirage of a surgery? Do you think he really needed it? Or he was like, hey, doc. They said it was just maintenance-based. I'm surprised he's still,
1: I don't know, like going through rehab. I think he should be fine by the start of the season.
0: Wasn't if, fine last year.
1: Yeah. And if he's not fine, I think Damian Harris will see more time. I mean, it's impossible not to see more time, kind of, than he did last year. He was their third-round pick last year who got, like, three snaps all year long. I do feel like
0: this has been a very underrated piece of news. I haven't seen it floating through Twitter quite as much as I, I thought I would see people talking about it. Haven't seen much chatter about Damian Harris. Maybe this is the time to go out and make those offers for Damian Harris, see what he costs. I don't think it's much. Yeah, or is it the time to sell him? Ooh. Hmm.
1: Because, no, I actually, I've been buying Damian Harris, but I bought him before the news came out for Sony Michelle, because I figured, why not? He's dirt cheap.
0: But maybe I just don't think that the news matters quite as much. I don't think people are thinking about the Patriots' offense right now. They're I just not want to stay team. away from
1: the Patriots' offense. I don't really care. That's fair. Moving on, Zeke Elliott and three other unknown NFL players, or maybe they're known, but I don't know them. <laughs> from Dallas and Houston Texans tested positive for COVID nineteen. Get well soon, guys. Yeah, that's you know that's scary for them and. We don't know what the protocol is at this point. Apparently, Zeke says he's asymptomatic, and he wouldn't have even known he had it uh, if he wasn't tested. That's that's wild. Yeah. So uh, we don't know who else did he come in contact with. Did they get it? Like,
0: it's this whole thing. Uh, we don't know what to do with this news. I. But everybody is telling Zeke to stop it, so they don't push back our season. Uh, Quit getting coronavirus, guys. Like, just stay <laughs> inside the house and don't, don't move. Don't talk to anybody. Don't even look at anybody because I need football. So a lot
1: of times, as soon as this happened, everyone, you know, had a meltdown saying the season's not going to happen. It's like, if that's the plan, if the plan is the very first person who gets it, the season's over, then why even start it? Because there's this is going to happen all season long and they have to expect that.
0: And I, I think, you know, we definitely have to consider the fact that that's not a, a reasonable task. Like, that's that's not a reasonable way to approach the COVID-19 situation for the NFL. I mean, we Arizona has been open for, what, like three weeks? And they're just seeing a massive spike in coronavirus cases. It's not over. No.
1: But if the NFL is planning on canceling it as soon as the first person, you know, tests positive for COVID-19... Then they're go just cancel it, then because there's no way you make it throughout the, the entire season or even week one without someone testing positive. Preseason? For it. No way. And as soon as a team gets it, it, the season will be over as soon as it, if one person gets it and the, half the team has it. I don't really know how we get through this whole season. I really don't, but I don't want to be a Debbie Donner. And so we're going to do a quick question before we get into our main segment of the pod. And a lot of people asked, like, we asked people to give us this quick question and we'd choose one. A lot of people were asking about COVID and, you know, how is the NFL going to play out? What are you going to do for fantasy? And I was thinking about we should answer that, but we don't know. So I don't want to sit here and just pull something out of my butt. Like, we don't know how to handle this situation. Nobody does. This is brand new. It's never happened before. I don't know how to answer this, if there's going to be fans, how the game's going to look without fans or with limited what fans. What the atmosphere
0: will be like without yeah. fans, if that will affect gameplay. Like, you have no – I mean, this is totally unchartered yeah. territory. We don't
1: know if uh, stars will contact COVID or the backup. Like, we don't have these answers. Or no. what preseason will look like. So I don't wanna to lie
0: to you. So the one interesting question I think that we got is somebody asked, are you gonna have a uh, I don't remember who it was. Uh, they asked about having a covid uh like i r spot, which is interesting. Yeah, I think you can have a few of those spots or if I would say two, if you're in a redraft league one, I really
1: think if your player contact is like tests positive for Covid, you should just be able to put them somewhere safely on your bench and pick up someone new. Like, I don't Isolate think there should be... Them. Yeah. You can't be the unlucky one to have, like, your whole team contact COVID and then you have no one to play. Like, I don't... I, and at that point, you just will be
0: canceled. You so. can't draft two players from the same team because they will have been in contact with each other and <laughs> transmitted the virus.
1: I'm done talking about COVID because that's in our lives enough. That's depressing enough. We're going to just be blind about it and hope that the NFL season plays throughout the whole thing. And we're going to just talk fantasy football. So, Ignorance
0: is bliss.
1: Yes. So our quick question of the day that we're actually going to answer is from BCNYC. His Twitter handle is at CoachTOBCNYC. Which second-year quarterback is more prime for a breakout season? Daniel Jones, Drew Locke, Jarrett Stidham, or
0: Gardner Minshew? I have my answer. Do you have your answer? I do. Okay. Um, I'm going with, I, I didn't even ask you. Ladies first? <laughs> yes. Okay. okay, I'll go ahead. Uh, Daniel Jones is my answer, and it literally just comes down to the rushing upside for me. When I statted out Daniel Jones, I was, uh, whoa! Like, I had to rein in my horse a little bit because it it didn't seem accurate. <laughs> like, yeah. he's, like, up there in the realm of, like, quarterback eight for me right now and I'm not done standing out all my quarterbacks but that's a little high
1: it's hot. he's top 10 for me as well
0: but I, I think it just goes to show you the upside he definitely like the issue was is ball security for him we said what I think it was last week or the week before he's working on his ball security I think if he can hold on to the ball, he's definitely going to be able to take off with his legs. And they have so many weapons in the offense. That's what I was going to say. So this is between Daniel
1: Jones and Gardner Minshew for me for fantasy breakout. And it's because both of them rush, right? They both have that nice floor where they're they're rushing when they need to and they get those yards. And they're just playmakers. They're really good playmakers and they can throw for a lot of yards in a game. The difference between Minshew and Daniel Jones is that Daniel Jones has all of the skilled players and talent that he needs on an offense. He has three really solid wide receivers. Now, maybe no true wide receiver one, but give me Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, and Darius Slane anytime. Those are three really solid wide receivers. And then you have Evan Ingram, one of the best pass-catching tight ends in the league, if you can stay healthy. And then Saquon Barkley, who might be the best pass-catching running back in the league. So he has so many options in the passing game. I I think he'll break out this year uh, and be
0: really good in the NFL and for fantasy. Um, And also, Coach, you said saludos from Barcelona. Saludos. Saludos. I don't know if I said that correctly. (laughs) I took French in high school, which has been entirely useless my entire adult life. If I took Spanish, man, I would be in good shape. Is Barcelona in France? No, it's in Spain.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. That's what I, I didn't. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was like, wait. I always thought it was in it's Spain. It's like
0: if you guys remember. My mind was just blown for a second. I was like, um, okay. No, unblow it. That's what she said. <laughs> um, it's like <laughs> when I was in tenth grade and found out that Genovia from The Princess Diaries, a country between Spain and England. No, Spain, Spain and France. Whoo! My geography is. A little bit off too. Um, I, I found out that wasn't a real country. I was pretty disappointed and I found out in French class because I went up to the French map. It was French geography, one of the only classes I ever failed in my life and and I went up and no wonder I failed it because Genovia isn't even a real country and I put it at the perimeter of France. Isn't so. America
1: so annoying though? Why are you learning French geography?
0: I, I just france maybe that's why we're learning no <laughs> it's french talk? geography oh, Pre- is okay. french is the we should we should okay. get we into need, our segment yeah, we, we need to um, move on but just
1: clearly, in case. clearly i feel like school should have taught us in some other areas because our brains aren't working correctly.
0: or even teach us latin so we can sort of diversify our language profile and i and we, to we were the, told
1: in school like to take spanish like everyone said like don't take french because it's pretty pointless like Especially if you live in America. Like, take Spanish in case, you know, you're... You moved to Miami, yeah. like we did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Except I took, like, seven years of Spanish, and I couldn't even put together a sentence. So it's pointless, because we don't learn in America.
0: Yeah. I don't know what our, our deal is with language. We memorize. We memorize. And Although, I five. do think that I did a better job speaking Spanish by the time that we left South Florida than you did after how many years? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, guys, if you haven't gotten your Father's Day present, shame on you. You're already late. So why not get a special gift for your father? You're late anyway. But anyway, you, it, like you can't just get him a tie now. You can't be that thoughtless because you forgot the present and you got him a stupid tie or a coffee mug. Although I would love one of those coffee mugs. This is world's best boss. That would That would be me. So maybe get your dad one of those, but... For sure, the perfect gift is MyFrontPageStory.com. What they're going to do, they're going to match you up with an actual journalist to interview you and come up with a front page story for your dad or whoever you love. Um, say say you didn't have a father in your life. Your mother deserves a Father's Day, too. She just had a Mother's Day. Give her, give her a double dose. Your parents or whoever you love deserve something special, thoughtful, be unique because you know nobody else in your family is getting them a My Front Page story. Make them cry. Tears. I want to see them cry. I want, I want you to take videos of them crying and send it in to us. But that's not all. We have 20% off for you guys, our Ball Blast listeners. The code is BLAST20 at checkout. Again, that's BLAST20, MyFrontPageStory.com. You
1: are great you can do whatever you want to do in this world put your mind to it put your grind to it and you
0: can do it oh man I feel inspired oh I love that video I hope I hope this video inspires these young studs because we've got we've got some guys that I think are gonna win people some fantasy championships even if they don't finish top 12 top 24 I think they're gonna win you some weeks at the very least This first one we're going to discuss. I cannot
1: believe how far he fell after the draft. It makes no sense to me. So we're going to talk about Michael Gallup. Oh, yeah, we are. Wide receiver for the Dallas Cowboys. Right now his average draft position is the wide receiver 33. He was the wide receiver 16 in points per game in 2019. He missed a couple games, but he was the wide receiver 16
0: per game. That the math doesn't add up there, guys.
1: So why is he falling from sixteen to thirty-three? All because they took CeeDee Lamb in the first one. I totally get it. love CeeDee Lamb. I'm not trying to say it. he's my wide receiver one for rookies. But Michael Gallup is young and he's really good. He like he's already He's
0: entering his third season. He's like, already been good. Yeah, he he's definitely already hit that mark. Like when we talk about the, the third year breakout, this guy's already done it. Like it's not going to be a third-year breakout because he already broke out in year two. He's only 24. He just turned 24 a couple months ago. Yeah, he's, he's I think, the clear de facto number two. I Like, CeeDee Lamb, I, he's obviously going to be involved, but how involved are we going to expect him to be in this offense but what we saw right off last year,
1: I mean, Gallup was fantastic. And Randall Cobb and Jason Witten were heavily involved. Like, Randall Cobb got the most secretive 83 targets of all
0: time. And then so did Jason
1: Witten. So no, I, I was
0: going to say Jason Witten got the most secret 83, 83 yeah. targets. And what is that?
1: And they're both gone. So there's plenty of room for CeeDee Lamb to come in and get 80 to 90 targets. And that's not going to affect Michael Gallup whatsoever. And you really can't expect Lamb to get much more than that. Like, rookies don't get much more than 90 targets, and that's the top-tier rookies each year for wide receivers. So I don't think CeeDee Lamb hurts Michael Gallup at all this year, and he should be going much higher than he is. He only had two games last year, two of his 15 games, because he played 15 games, not 16. Two of his 15 games he saw fewer than five targets. That's it. Wow. Ten of his 15 games, he saw seven or more targets. Opportunity, baby. And then he had five games with double-digit targets. Wow. Yes. The same OCs there in Dallas. They did change the head coach, but they kept the same OC, so we shouldn't expect too much of a difference there. And CeeDee Lamb. we bring this up all the time for rookies, but I do think rookie wide receivers are even going to have a harder time just jumping right in and stealing any time from any vets because they don't have the offseason.
0: Yep. This is, it, it's an alternate universe that we're a part of right now. Kellen Moore is definitely, I think, the most intriguing part of this because we've seen since he took over last season, we've started to see a shift away from that total run first offense towards the pass. And that's only going to favor Michael Gallup. CeeDee Lamb, if anything, does good things for Michael Gallup and Amari Cooper, diverts more coverage. You cannot leave C.D. Lamb wide open in the secondary because he will destroy you and eat your family. Yep. <laughs> yes.
1: It's a, yeah, Michael Gallup's going to have so much room to work. Sorry, I was counting his games again. He played 14. I'm messing this all. Up. He played 14 games. So 10 of his 14 games. Wow. He had seven plus targets. That's fantastic. And honestly, so... Amari Cooper played 16 games. Michael Gallup played 14. They were only a difference in six targets. So Michael Gallup was almost the wide receiver one on that team. Not lined up as the wide receiver one, but you know what I'm saying, in targets. Very interesting.
0: And he was more consistent. He had a a much safer floor, I think, than Amari Cooper did.
1: He only had 80 less yards than Amari Cooper. Like, why is CeeDee Lamb hurting Michael Gallup this hard where his ADP dropped? Is dropping like crazy and Amari Cooper's is kind of staying up there. I think both will be plenty fine, but you can get Michael Gallup in redraft when you're drafting in September for way cheaper than he should be.
0: Oh, absolutely. Wide receiver 33, that's disgusting. Yep. Be better. Hopefully, we can move that price up and having. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> we do not want to move the price I up. I want people to start
1: respecting
0: him because that's wild it is it is absolutely wild. He was really fun to watch last season. I'm excited to see that that third year leap because this is the year that we know we we tend to see the most progress in terms of your route running, your ball handling skills. Like that's when we see wide receivers flourish is in their third season. And I definitely think the fact that, you know, he's returning to an offense with the same quarterback, same OC, same wide receiver opposite of him same running back like michael gallup is set to be the same guy that he was last year i agree
1: moving on to
0: another wide receiver
1: where i feel like the hype is starting to come along his adp is now the wide receiver 20 and that's robert woods for the los angeles
0: rams i'm gonna give a shout out to kevin tomsky because yet you, you screwed up his adp he was going so late and Kevin, you've been all over Twitter posting about Robert Woods and how low his ADP is. Well, it's it's literally starting to climb, and I think that's all because of you.
1: It's starting to climb, but I still think there's room to go. So he was a wide receiver 14 last year in PPR. And that's with half a season, he was pretty bad. So he still ended up as a wide receiver 14 with only being good for half a season. That's really impressive. So the first half of the season, Woods was on pace for only 120 targets and 942 yards and zero touchdowns. Remember Robert Woods just couldn't score a touchdown and it was like impossible to play him? Yeah. Well, the second half, he was on pace for 181 targets, 1,515 yards and five touchdowns. So still not a ton of touchdowns, but that yardage and targets is insane. We can't expect that ever from Robert Woods, but he was getting targeted like crazy do you want to explain why that is
0: uh yeah absolutely so they started running uh 12 personnel in the first 12 weeks the rams ran it uh, just 14 percent of the time when they started running the 12 personnel tyler higby went off yep you saw robert woods go off yep And it it worked well. The chemistry worked well in that formation. I can't imagine that they don't continue that moving into this next season. Yep. So 12 personnel,
1: for people that don't know, that means one running back is on the field and two tight ends and then two wide receivers. So it kind of takes away that slot wide receiver, Which Cooper Cup was in the slot a lot when they, you know, they only had one tight end in the field. But with two tight ends, Cooper Cup couldn't be in the slot as much. His numbers went dramatically down. In the 12 personnel, Cooper Cup actually really struggles. Tyler Higby. Yeah, so it's really good for Tyler Higbee. It's really good... For Robert Woods, uh, they jumped all the way up to being in the 12 personnel 34% of the time, which is really high for an NFL team. And then they already just said a week or two ago, they came out and said that they're going to be running more 12 personnel like they did at the end of last year. Because that's when they started getting hotter. Jared Goff was doing better. Just the whole offense was actually running a lot smoother.
0: Yeah, they they definitely... If you watched them in the first half of the season, it didn't look like the gears were, were moving in, in cohesion. You had to think that that Super Bowl hangover was absolutely real because they did not look like the same team whatsoever. As soon as like that Week 12 mark hit, they got into their stride, and yep. they looked like a Sean McVay offense. Yeah, so
1: from Weeks 13 through 17 when they change up the offense – Robert Woods was the running, the the wide receiver five during that time.
0: He was so good, he probably could have been the running back five. Probably so don't discount yourself.
1: Yes, and now we have Brandon Cooks. He's gone. He's with Houston. Gurley is gone. Those are two two uh, Major. key pieces of that offense, leaving a lot, leaving behind a lot of targets. I think Robert Woods has a fantastic gear. I think he's the wide receiver one there in terms of targets. Maybe not so with touchdowns, maybe not yards. I think Cooper Cup will be close, but I do think Robert Woods sees at least 140 targets. I think he's a really good year. I'm not worried about second round pick Van Jefferson. That was a really big reach by the Rams.
0: Yeah, that no was one. Ex- a... Yeah,
1: no one expected Van Jefferson to go in the second. I was expecting him very late third fourth. So that was a reach. I think he will need some time to transition to the NFL like a lot of time. So I, I I think it's going to be Cooper Cup, Robert Woods in this offense, getting those targets and Tyler Higby. And it's going to be good for all of them.
0: Cooper Especially, Cup
1: it might hurt a little
0: bit. And and Robert Woods, I think you can get at the best discount right now. So mm-hmm. I'll I'll take Robert Woods out of that bunch. Um let's talk about a running back. So you I think you jumped the gun a little bit with Robert Woods there saying that he was the running back five accidentally. Because we're going to talk about Kareem Hunt, who was once the running back five or running back one. Yeah, him with Kansas City was
1: just. It feels like so long ago now. But his ADP right now is sitting at running back 29. That's crazy. That seems really low. And that's in PPR too. So if you play in a standard league, it's going to be a lot harder to own Kareem Hunt. I will give you that. But if you play in half PPR or PPR, I really, really like his upside, and I think he's being massively undervalued right now. From weeks 10 through 17, those are the games he played, because don't forget, he was suspended for the first eight weeks, and then they had a bye. But during that time, weeks 10 through 17, he was the running back 17.
0: That's bizarre.
1: And he he, didn't even get a lot of the groundwork. Exactly. He got, like, none. But he saw so many targets, and, you know, he had a lot of work that way. So he wasn't really getting touchdowns, he wasn't getting a lot of carries, and he was still the running back 17, so I don't really know what happens from that period of time to then going all the way down to the running back 29.
0: I I have no idea, and he's the same player. Like, when you watched him, he was just as dynamic as he had been with yeah. Kansas City. He was on a crappier offense. Like, that. that's what it boils down to. Still not as great of an offense as Kansas City, but... I do think that we are going to see some positive regression in terms of of Baker's performance. You know, the fact that supposedly Odell should be healthy this season. Hopefully you get Jarvis Landry healthy. Their offensive line
1: should be so much better with two new tackles. Yep. And we have to also remember, Kareem Hunt went about a year without playing any actual NFL games because he was suspended in that 2018 season after Week 12. And then he came back week 10 of the 2019 season. That's almost a whole year off. Wow. It takes time to get acclimated, and he just kind of you know showed up and did his thing. So I think next year will even be better for him. The biggest reason why is because their new hire head coach, Kevin Stefanski, he was the offensive coordinator for the Vikings last year. We all know this guy all he wants to do is run. He wants to All run,
0: he does run, is run, 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 run,
1: run. Not good for Baker. Not good for OBJ. Not good for Landry. I don't really love it for the tight ends either. But it's fantastic for both Nick Chubb and Cream Hunt. I think both can be top. I'll say it, top 15 running back. I can see it. I think. I think every year we want to say who's the next Kamara Ingram, right? When they were both top 10 running backs. That was that was a good time in my life. This could be them though. So you a. It can't just be anyone you need two extremely talented running backs in the same backfield which was ingram and camara and then you need one who's great on the ground who can be used as a workhorse on the ground and then one that can be targeted 80 plus times through the air and that's what you have here with chubb and hunt where chubb's going to be masterful on the ground and hunt's going to get those 80 plus targets
0: and i i think when you're also looking at these guys if they if they do have two running backs on the field both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are capable pass catchers. Obviously, Kareem Hunt has the the talent boost, but like think about what if you had those two backs on the field at the same time. Because Nick Chubb, like he he actually looked good in the receiving game. He got a lot of screens, but if they he was do efficient.
1: that, also defenses are going to have no idea what they're doing. Because are they going to hand it off to Chubb? Are they going to pass it to Hunt? They're going to have no idea. And Hunt might be the third best receiving option on that team because Who's the wide receiver three there? Rashad Higgins. Ew. They drafted Peoples Jones like later. There's not really a great third option. Maybe Austin Hooper. They get him more involved. Maybe he can. You know, but I still think Hunt's a better pass catcher than him and more dynamic. After the I catch. could
0: easily picture Hunt having the third most targets on that team. Yep.
1: And Landry is still hurt, and we don't know if he's ready. So. If Landry ends up missing time, I think Hunt's going to ball out. So the Vikings ran the ball 476 times last season. That's the fourth most in the league. But when you're comparing it to other teams that ran it that much, Baltimore was number one, and they did have quite a few more. But you have to remember, Lamar is getting so many of those carries that count towards that. And right? he's
0: not even just getting like the scrambles. He's getting designed runs. Yeah, So. But- in
1: scrambles count for runs yep. for the team, right? For rushing attempts for the team. So you have to include all those for Lamar. So take those away, and they're right where the Vikings were. Seattle was number three, and that's when Wilson get a t- getting a ton of carries. So they're not all going to the running back. Now San Fran was two, and all those were going to the running back. And then Minnesota was four. All of those rushes went to the running backs and that's going to be the same exact thing in Cleveland. So I could see where we're splitting up carries, four hundred four fifty plus carries between Hunt and Chubb. Chubb can't take more than what? Three hundred and twenty carries?
0: I think that's that's a bit
1: rich. Yeah, it's rich, but I love both, and I think Kareem Hunt is a fantastic value. If you're going zero RB or you just want to wait grabbing your second running back or third running back cream hunt is a steal later in drafts
0: i absolutely agree cream hunt like like i said he's still the same running back that we watched years ago years ago back when <laughs> back when we were young <laughs> i i can't believe he's not being drafted ahead and i can't believe that that hasn't been the narrative within the fantasy football community yet like i feel like that just hasn't hit fantasy twitter it hasn't hit That movement hasn't come yet, where we just recognize the fact that Kareem Hunt is really good.
1: And can you imagine? So, you know, we always talk about maybe drafting backups later in drafts to secure your RB1. But Kareem Hunt has standalone value, right? So you can use him before Nick Chubb gets hurt, or if Nick Chubb never gets hurt, Kareem Hunt's still going to be a great value. If anything ever happened to Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt would be a top five running back.
0: Yeah, top three. Maybe he I'll could be say it. he could be top one. Top one. That's
1: his ceiling. So I I think Cream Hunt's a fantastic, fantastic value. All right, we've well, been nice enough. I think we should go to the overvalued because, you know us, we love to hate. I
0: can't wait for him, because waiting for you is like waiting for rain in this drought, useless and disappointing. Speaking of waiting for the drought, to end, <laughs> Michelle, talk about our first guy who we just think is way overvalued too much hype it's too much hype
1: and it's Joe Mixon I mean literally that sound clip is perfect for him because people are just waiting and waiting for him to be this top running back in the league and he's good like he's talented he's talented and he's he's okay for fantasy he's you know he's not bad he was for the first half of last year like terribly bad But people are waiting for him to be this top five running back in fantasy, and I don't think it's going to happen. And right now he's being drafted as the running back seven. That's his average draft position. But I've seen him even go higher than that. Like, I've seen him go five. I've seen him go four, which is crazy. And I really feel like seven is the latest I've seen him go, and that's his average draft position. People are getting very high on him. He was the running back 19 in fantasy points per game in 2019. So we're saying he goes from running back 19 in points per game to running back 7. Don't you just feel like we're drafting him at his
0: top of his ceiling at that point? So that that I think is the best counter argument. So when I'm looking at spending my first two you know, first two picks of my draft, right? In my redraft league, I want those to be like guaranteed hits. And it's hard to guarantee hits, but like it, when I'm looking at the picks in that range, I feel like I could get somebody safer. Like, I feel like a Leonard Fournette is safer in a redraft league. And it's I trust just, his workload better.
1: Like, I don't even think Joe Mixon is unsafe. I just think there's a lot of guys that have a higher ceiling. Like, Kenyon Drake's going after Mixon, and I do think with the Cardinals, he has a higher ceiling. There's a lot of guys going right around Mixon that I would rather just take them because... Mixon, I think he's going above his ceiling. Like, What do we think he's going to do that's so much different? Last year, he saw the seventh most touches in the NFL, and he ended as the running back 13 in total points, and that's only because he played a full 16 games. It's just very rare for running backs to actually play a full 16 games. So he ended a bit higher than he actually helped you last year because, like I said, he was a running back 19 points per game, but if you have the seventh most touches, you should be the running back seven or higher. Like yep. being the running back 13, that's not a good year. That's not a good fantasy year whatsoever. And he needs so many touches to be good for you in fantasy. There is one game he uh, had 33 touches and only scored 17 PPR points. That's not good for that many touches. There was also a game versus Miami, one of the worst defenses, especially versus running backs. He had 23 touches and scored nine
0: PPR points. That's not good. What is, it, what's changing? It, I don't think anything's changing. So I actually did a thread, I think we had mentioned this last week, on uh, how individual positions perform under a rookie quarterback when they play almost a full season, which we assume Joe Burrow will do out of all of those positions, the running backs definitely had the the edge, but when I'm looking at, you know, sort of what that offense looks like from last year to this year, it doesn't look super different. No, and I don't
1: think his targets go up at all. He had forty five targets last year, he's had a high of fifty five. But if we're going to say AJ Green is back, they still Like Tyler Boyd has broken out over the last couple of years. You have John Ross there for however many games he's going to be there for. And then you throw in T. Higgins, who was the very early second-round pick. I don't see how his targets are going to increase. So you're going to need him to score a lot of touchdowns because, you know, running backs just get so many points if they're involved in the passing game, and Mixon is not.
0: And And the thing is— How many touchdowns is Cincy really going to score with a rookie quarterback? I think you definitely have to temper expectations there, but I think, like, more important. So, like, when I'm referring back to that tweet about how positions perform with a rookie quarterback, oftentimes the running backs had the edge there, but because they got a mega workload. Joe Mixon already had the mega workload.
1: Yep. So people wait for this breakout, and it's like he's already had so many touches, so many years. So people point to his 2018 season. They're like, he was a running back 10 there. I think in some formats he may have been the running back 9. That's great. He had the 6 most touches out of any running back in 2018. So again, you should have been the running back 6 or higher. So I just don't see how he's going as the running back 7 when he's never even gotten there before you're taking him at his absolute magical ceiling and people think that's like a safe spot for him and he should be going higher like there's literally people who say running back seven's too low for Mixon. that's wild the, the he's so overhyped it's insane and it happens every offseason and every offseason he disappoints he was a running back 43 in points per game from weeks one through seven last year
0: he was unusable for half a season unusable sounds like running back seven material to me yeah Right, And everybody hates on me for loving Raheem Mostert. Get out of here. Nick Chubb is going after him. And maybe, like, I also
1: agree he doesn't have a super high ceiling. But he's never going to be the running back 43 for half a season. Yeah. He's way too good of a running back to do that. He's on a better team.
0: Let's just not, yeah, it's not to say that Joe Mixon isn't talented. But I, you're buying players at their peak. And I do think, so, like, When you're thinking about what is my goal at whatever draft position that I have in my redraft leagues, the goal is to have as many players that either meet their ADP or outperform their ADP as possible. That's going to give you the biggest edge. I don't see it here with Mixon. Yeah, and if you can get Mixon in the later second
1: round, which he's always going in the first, and he could be your running back two, I'm fine with that. But to trust him to be my running back one and two, you really need that just like Guy that can go off, and I don't, I don't see that with Mixon. He didn't score more than twenty points, I think, until week fourteen. That's the first hmm. time he scored more than twenty PPR points in a single week. And if you don't play PPR, it's not that hard to get to twenty points. And he didn't get there till week fourteen, and that was the only time he hit twenty points in the entire fantasy season. The only reason he was even a running back thirteen last year is because he had a wild week seventeen. Well, you didn't use him in Week 17 unless you play in a league that plays in Week 17, and you're already screwing that up because no league should play in Week 17.
0: Yeah, if you guys are playing in Week 17 and you were excited about Joe Mixon's game, you need to talk to your commissioner <laughs> and change your league format. Yeah. Nobody should be playing in Week 17. It, everything's an anomaly. Um, I, I, just, I don't see it here with Joe Mixon. I like him as a talent, but... Again, when you're playing a redraft league, like your goal is to find guys that are going to outperform their ADP or at least meet it. And Joe Mixon's is so high, I don't see either of those as like perfect hits. Like, I I just, no, no, no. No. (laughs) Let's move on to a wide receiver. This is another controversial take here, Calvin Ridley. Drafted currently as the wide receiver 17. He is the new hotness on fantasy Twitter. It is. uh, The hype is real. The hype is so real. There are so many players going after him, like a DJ Chark, who I would rather have 10 times out of 10 over Calvin Ridley's cost. We saw plenty of upside, but like Julio's still there. So one guy that you just mentioned... DJ Chark. He's by
1: far the most underrated in the entire draft. We didn't bring him up because we talk about him so much, but he would easily have been our underrated, like our most underrated in yeah. the whole draft. But yeah, so Calvin Ridley's, I mean, he's right now, he, like you said, he's going as a wide receiver 17. That's right around Cooper Cup, Adam Thielen, A.J. Brown, He's going before Keenan Allen. Robert Woods, who we talked about, he's going before him. He's going before Tyler Lockett, before DJ Chark, before T.Y. Hilton. There is just so much upside later on that I don't get why you take the risk with Ridley. Now, where he's going at wide receiver 17, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended there. But I think that's about where he's going to end. And if I'm taking a wide receiver in the fourth round, I would like there to be hope that he's going to end as a top 12 wide receiver like I want that ceiling there still this early in the draft and with Julio Jones I don't see it happening so from weeks 1 through 11 with Julio healthy he averaged 13.9 points per game in PPR in weeks 12 and 13 without Julio he averaged 19.6 points per game that's a big difference he was on pace to be the wide receiver 18 with Julio and I Julio is going to be healthy so Julio's
0: going to be healthy, and everybody's looking. Or to, you hope
1: for it. like, but you can't just expect him not to be healthy. Like that's really the point. I guess he's not definitely going to be healthy, but
0: Julio's always got some sort of injury. Like he's always got a little. He's always a little. Yeah, but up. he doesn't
1: ever really miss. Many oh games. no,
0: he he doesn't miss like snaps even. He, you know, he's alongside one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. But it, along with that comes the targets, right? Like. And there are some people out there who are are pointing to the absence of Austin Hooper, who has eaten up a lot of targets in that offense over the last couple of years. But we don't really know what what that's going to look like. Like they brought in Hayden Hurst, I think he could easily see uh, sixty targets, seventy targets. Um, it sounds disgusting. And they gross. know how to
1: use their tight ends. It's not like Austin Hooper is this amazing talent. They knew how to put him in the right place. I don't think, like, maybe Hayden Hurst isn't as good of a talent as Austin Hooper, but I still think they're going to know how to put him in the right place to get open in the zone. catch a ball. Yeah, catch a ball. And, no, I don't think he's going to be as good as Austin Hooper was last year in fantasy, but I still think he takes a lot of those targets that Hooper had. Don't you think Gurley is better than Devonta Freeman, especially in the passing game? Yep. Yep, so he's probably going to see a lot more looks, too. And Freeman saw a lot of looks last year, but... Like, Gurley's going to get a lot of targets. Julio's going to get a lot of targets. I think Hayden Hurst steals a lot. Ridley's a good wide receiver, too. Like, that's it. He's a he's Tyler Boyd. Until Julio's gone, he's just a Tyler Boyd, which is a fine fantasy asset. But if you're drafting him thinking he's going to be a top 12 wide receiver with Julio there, it's not happening.
0: And also, I don't think you can look at Calvin Ridley. So, like, I, I think you said he can probably finish around the the wide receiver 17, but... Calvin Ridley has been, um, he's had a a somewhat safe floor, but he's been pretty volatile. So he's had lots of games where he's gotten a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns. So I don't think you can count on him being the wide receiver 17 week to week. No. But I think that's where he'll finish, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think it's hard to know
1: when to start him and when not to. There's so many questions ball would love it. Yeah. There's so many questions around the Atlanta team to see if to see if Ridley can really break out in his third season. Right? Like you have is Julio going to stay healthy? If he is, it's probably not going to happen. Is the defense getting any better? Because they had they were first in pass attempts last year. If the defense gets any better, those go down. Is Todd Gurley heavily involved in the passing game? Because if he is, there's probably not enough to go around to Ridley as well. Same thing with Hurst. I just think there's so many guys going around him that have a higher ceiling that probably have you know the same safe floor.
0: So, oh yeah, I I would rather take a one of these teams' wide receiver ones like a DJ Chark a even uh, a Ty Hilton even a, a Tyler Ty Lockett, Hilton yeah Robert I, I would, Woods. I would rather take the wide receiver one on a team than try to rely on wide receiver two production at that cost. I want the focal point of the offense. I don't want the sloppy seconds. Yeah, he hasn't hit a thousand yards yet in a season.
1: I mean, he's only had two yards, but Juju had fourteen hundred yards in a second season, and everyone said it was only because AB was on the other side. You can't use that both ways, like. Julio is there for Ridley. You can't say that's the reason he's not breaking out when it's the reason Juju broke out. Like Julio is just as good as AB. Pick why, a side. Why isn't Ridley having 1400 yard seasons when there's when the coverage is so worried about Julio? Like Ridley should be have so much space to work and he's still just not doing it. There's other better talents out there. I'm going with them. Yeah, The only reason he's so high right now is because he finished so strong with Julio gone and then really got hurt, and he sat out the rest of the year. So people just remember how great he was at the end. And that's it for a couple games.
0: Okay. Uh, Last but not least, let's talk about another running back. This is also a guy that's pretty divisive, I would say, in the fantasy community. Either love him or hate him. Austin Eckler, running back for the Los Angeles Chargers. Melvin Gordon has departed.
1: Austin Eckler is being drafted very high. Now, this is the one I feel least good about talking bad about him, because it's really fun to watch him, and he's uber-talented, and he's so used in the passing game, so it's it's hard to think of him as too much of a bust, but I think he is being drafted a bit too high right now as the running back 14. He's going like late second round, early third, with the offense being so uncertain, like, if Phillip Rivers was still there, I'd feel better about Austin Eckler. But like, yeah, take him there. But with Tyrod Taylor or Justin Herbert taking over, like, what is that offense going to look like? Are they going to pass to the running back as much as
0: Rivers did? I definitely don't think you can bank on that. So, looking at the Chargers' use of the actual running back last year, it was absolutely insane. They led the league in targets to the running back by, like, a nice, nice margin, They had over 180 targets to the running back. They led the league in those targets to the running back. Second most targets to the running back was New England with 166. That's a decent margin when you're considering the difference there. League high percentage of targets to the running back. But when you look back at what Tyrod Taylor did and his tendencies, you know you got to look at LaShawn McCoy, who is a very proficient pass catcher, also good on the ground. 78 targets 93 targets 87 targets and that's not even to Lashawn. and that's not that's even to total. yeah it, it's it's total to the running back position lashawn mccoy never exceeded 77 targets with tyrod taylor so if that's the ceiling that we're applying to austin eckler who has a much lower rushing floor i think than lashawn mccoy i'm out i i can't i can't spend that draft capital on a running back who i can't count to run
1: I think he gets a lot more carries than we're used to for Austin Eckler, right? Never
0: like, exceeded 132 carries in a season. Yep, and he, but
1: he was on pace for a lot more than that without Melvin Gordon there last year. So we'll see how they use him. Justin Jackson was kind of banged up all year. They drafted Joshua Kelly with their second pick in the draft. So it was the fourth round, but it was their second pick. Uh, so I do think they plan to use other running backs as more as that, you know, regular style running back, if that makes sense. But actually on first and second downs, running up the middle, I don't know if they're going to use Austin Eckler because he did struggle in that area. He's a small dude. He's very small. He scored a lot of touchdowns in that period without Melvin Gordon. I don't know. I I think he'll do all right. I just think he's going to be up and down, and it's all going to depend on how much he's used in the passing game.
0: He's very risky. He's very risky. He's only ever totaled. 3 touchdowns rushing touchdowns in a season. That's not good. No. So even even for the fact that he got 132 rushing attempts, I want him to score more. Like they're not he's so small that I just don't see them utilizing him in a permanent way as like a goal line back. Like Melvin Gordon as soon as he came back in that that role was taken over again. Yeah. And rightfully so. I I think that it's It's so hard to talk bad about Austin Eckler. The thing that I think makes him a little bit different is that you drafted him last year as what a a running back he went as the running back 29 in 2019. So when you're looking at the value, he grossly outperformed that ADP. Now he's being drafted as the running back 14. The margin there, it's it's a big one. And like, where do you hope he finishes?
1: It's a lot different. And I'm worried about that whole offense. As a whole, and if they put in Justin Herbert, like, I think they will because Tyra Taylor's not a quarterback that should be playing as a starter if you actually want to win and get to the playoffs. No, I don't know if Justin Herbert's I got either, but you
0: got to give him a shot. He's and a very- he's also a Russian quarterback. So, you know, a lot of times we will see with these Russian quarterbacks that they don't tend to check down as often. That's just not as as big a part of their game. Because if yep. they don't see the read, they're going to take off and run. If they have the athleticism to do so.
1: Rivers uses his running backs in the passing game like no other. Because he can't move. Yeah, he doesn't move. So he, it's that's who he looks to when he needs a check down or needs to get out of a bad situation. I don't think that happens with Tyrod or Herbert, and I think we see his targets go down significantly. He can still see 70 to 80 targets, but that's going to take a big chunk of those yards away. I think it takes a... He had eight receiving touchdowns last year. I think that goes down. You just take a little bit of that away, and it's going to hurt taking him in the second round. I'm I'm going to stay away from Eckler. I won't be surprised if he's really good. Like,
0: he's, a, he's really good. Like, he's a really but good I talent. But I think it, it, at that price, I can get... Less risky assets. Yeah, I agree. All right. uh, is that our is that our show? That's our show. All right, I want you guys to tell us what you think about our overrated and underrated candidates. They're going to hate those. You will hate them all, and I want to hear about it. So uh, you can write me on Twitter at ffballblast. Um, I'm also at ffballblast. You can hate me there. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> she's she's Michelle at Ball Blast EM. Ball yeah. Blast EM. <laughs> um, don't forget to check out our website. It's www. Yeah, <laughs> I said www. <laughs> <laughs> it's ballblastfootball.com. Uh, like I said, we've got uh, a few writers on our staff now. We've got Jake, we've got uh, Mike, we've got Corey, and they're all awesome. They're putting out some really great material. So, Please check out their work. Follow them on Twitter. Um, Anything else? I think we're good. We'll talk to you next week. All right. Bye. Bye, y'all.